Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp experience or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. This week, we meet my friend Frog, who I have met through my camp experience at Camp Sacagawea. Frog dives into her experience as a unit leader and a ropes facilitator. Frog and I bonded over our love for music at camp and talked about the serenity of her playing taps on her trumpet every evening. Frog dives into the differences for working at a resident Girl Scout camp and a special needs day camp, and even coming back as a session to finally go on her long-awaited Boundary Waters trip. So without further ado, let's meet Frog. Well, tell us a little bit about your background experience as a camper. Where did you go to camp? With what organizations and for how long? So I did primarily Girl Scout camp as a kid, I think 2006 or so. We started going to Camp Sacagawea. I did a mom and me with my mom and my little sister, probably about 2006, 2007. And then I went back by myself the following year for some kind of art camp. And I went to a different Girl Scout camp the next year, uh, which is no longer around. I don't remember who it was that talked about Camp Lakota, um, but that was just another camp in our council at the time. It is no longer. But it was before they did the Boundary Waters trip. So it was only like the Yellow River. We went to Camp Tanglefoot for a day and canoed at their lake there. And then we went to Yellow River State Forest for three days, I think. So I did trek and travel that year. And then I did CIT one and two the following years. And then let's see, now we're at 2014. That was my first year on staff. I was 16, uh, turned 17 midway through the summer. But at the time I could only work in the kitchen because I was 16. So I was kitchen staff that year. And then the following year, I was 17 for the first like three weeks of camp. So I was technically a junior counselor and I couldn't count towards ratio or whatever. And I couldn't do like some of the other extraneous certifications for like ropes course and stuff. I was finally an adult. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So I could do all the certifications and things. So I did ropes course. I was a unit counselor. Um, I did ropes course and then, um, That was when they were starting to put together stuff for the Boundary Waters trip for Trek and Travel. So they had me and actually Flounder and another counselor, Smiley, be certified in canoeing so we could do the Boundary Waters trip. I didn't end up doing it that year. We were the unofficial official canoe and kayak instructors that year. And then 2017... I might've said 2017 last time, but I meant 2016. 2017 was my last full summer at camp, ropes course, canoe stuff. And then 2018, I had gone off to college and uh, I had another job that offered me a position in their summer camp programming. So I worked for the ARC in Iowa City. They do summer camp programming in the summertime, obviously, during the rest of the year, they do community transport and community living skills and in-home health care, basically, for people with disabilities. We had a wide range of kids to adults. I worked in their summer camp program in 2018 and then took two weeks off to go back to Sacagawea for the Boundary Waters trip. Yay, you finally got to go to Boundary Waters. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Tell us a little bit about that trip. 
Oh gosh. So I think that year we only had six campers sign up. I don't know why it was such a low registration year for boundary waters. Cause usually those are like fill up, they fill up super easily or super quick, but we only had six campers that year. So we just went as one group and it was me. And I think we've talked about pepper on here before. And then another person who was like older, but had, and wasn't working at camp anymore, but had gone on the boundary waters trip. I think every time really up to that point. So it was the three of us staff and six campers. And honestly, that trip started off kind of rough, but there was like trees in the road and us storming a Dairy Queen at 9 p.m. as they were closing because we hadn't been able to like our campsite that we thought we had reserved was not reserved. And then we had to drive like 30 miles back through the woods to get anywhere with services. <laughs> so we didn't have a place to make a campfire or get out our camp stove or anything. So we like burst into the Dairy Queen in Ely, Minnesota at like 9 p.m. You know that face when you walk in as they're closing. Oh and they were gosh. like, please, God, no. <laughs> but we were like, please, we have six teenagers that we have to feed. Just give us some chicken strips and fry whatever you've got left <laughs> that you were going to throw away. Just please, God, give us chicken strips. <laughs> and they probably hated us, but we were very grateful that they gave us some, some food. And we had to sleep in the van that night with nine people in oh August. Oh, my gosh. Or July, late July, beginning of August, I think. I would absolutely remember that. <laughs> I always dreamed of being able to do even just an overnight canoe trek. I've only ever done a day float before. So that would be Uh absolutely incredible. Well, tell us a little bit more about your experience as a staff member person. You kind of overviewed all the positions that you've held, but kind of go dive deep into the positions that you had or maybe some of your favorites that you had along the way. I mean, there were great memories from every aspect of part of being on staff. So my favorite role that I had was probably ropes course, my extraneous role, I guess. I liked being a unit leader, but in terms of planning activities, I am horrifically uncreative. And that there were times where I was, you know, you, you're tired and you want to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, I have to think of a craft, but I am not good <laughs> at planning crafts. I mean, I, I like being a, a unit leader as well. And that either had never been to camp before or some of them had been through CIT, just kind of seeing the new generation of staff grow in that role, I guess. At that point, I was like 20, 21, I think, which is not old, but when you're 16, when you start, it feels like old. I'm like, oh, I've been on this earth for two whole decades. Good Lord. And look at all these 12-year-olds running around. But yeah, I guess... Extraneous role-wise, I liked the rope course. Uh, ropes course. I don't know. I just liked being fifty feet in the air, I guess. And then you know, helping kids that were previously scared or like didn't really feel like they had the confidence to to do some of the high adventure stuff. Kind of helping them talk through it and either brief or debrief or whatever the case may be, and encouraging them to step outside of their comfort zone a little bit and, you know, seeing how proud they were of themselves afterwards was really great. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I absolutely love the ropes course as well. And maybe you can relate to it too, because you were a previous camper. 
But when I first signed up to be a staff member, I was like you, I, well, I wasn't 16 when I did it. I did CIT at 16. And then at 17, I was a junior counselor. And I remember thinking I made it, like I, I've gotten this role. And then like working at camp for many years, you realize, oh yeah, there's like facilitators and like lifeguards. You have to have those people to run those programs. Like you don't get to just show up and they magically happen. You have to have people that know what they're doing. And I remember the first time that I did ropes course training, one, I remember just being exhausted. I don't know if you felt the same way too, but then when oh, you finally sure. had your first participants, you were like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Why did I not like think of this originally? Like, <laughs> this is so absolutely wonderful. Like you just see so much growth from your participants and everything. If I remember correctly, you guys had the opportunity to train on your course. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. We we had a guy, they actually just got a brand new ropes course, so I don't know what they do now. But at the time we had two rock walls, a rappel, a giant swing and the catwalk. And we had a guy that I don't know if it was from the company that built the course or if he was just like a certified guy. His camp name was dad. He came and did our training almost every year and had for many years. So he knew the course well. He would come and you know, do the safety checks at the beginning of the summer to recertify it for use and made sure that we knew the ins and outs of our specific elements and how to use them safely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always such a gift when you can do it on your site. The very first few years I was ropes course certified, it was always not only off site, but in a completely different state that had different elements than we had. Oh, and that made boy. it challenging, especially when you would get ropes certified in March and then not use your skills until June. <laughs> so I always envied you guys of how like streamlined your facilitation process was. And yeah, as you mentioned, they did get a brand new ropes course. Are you planning on going out anytime to go visit camp or to see the new ropes course? I'm going for Ace and Trotter's wedding in August. <gasps> so I'm hoping to see it then, yeah. I'll be there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be Camp Reunion 2.0. Yes. <laughs> oh, my I gosh. I love that they do tree climbing now, too. That was something that was <gasps> new. That was new, oh. I think, in 2018. My last summer full-time, they didn't. They were scouting trees that would be, like, stable enough to do it, but they hadn't set it up and done the certification yet. But when I came back in 2018 for those couple weeks for Boundary Waters, um, they had it set up, and it. I don't know if they still do it in the same spot, I assume so. But uh, it was like way back in the back of the prim camping site and our campers got to do it for Boundary Waters. And since there were only six of them, Kite and Rafiki were like, hey, do you and Pepper want to do it too? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, there is nothing like tree climbing because it's all self-led. It's the, I mean, I guess depending on what course you go to, like you have the opportunity to navigate between elements and things like mm -hmm. that. But for, for our course, like there's just nothing like being in the middle of a tree, singing your heart out to Disney songs with the people that you love and being at your own pace. There just really is nothing like it. So the facilities that I work for right now are trying to incorporate tree climbing and I'm like, do it do it. Do it yesterday. Yes. Do it. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. I had a chance to try it when I was out there in 2021. I got a chance to do the ropes course for the first time, also in 2021. Mm -hmm. 
And it was funny because they had their council staff out there in like a marketing team with the camera because they were getting ready to promote the building of the new ropes course. And I mean, I'm not new to ropes. I'm not new to climbing. So of course I was all over that wall. I was like encouraging other people. The council staff don't know who I am. They think I'm a camper. And so they like pull me off to the side and like interview me. And they're like, well, you should come back when when you're not a camper and come back and work on staff. And I'm like, I'm 28 years old. Um, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I've done this whole camp counselor thing. I'm old. Like, I appreciate you so much for thinking that I'm 16. Um <laughs> I had to buy health insurance. Are you kidding? Like the mm. hallmark of being old is having to have your own insurance. It is. Yeah. No, so I'm in that promotional video quite a bit. They didn't put my interview in after I told them I was 28. I might have been 27 at the time. Well, I want to know the story behind your camp name. Oh, okay. It's not very exciting, actually, because I got to the point where if I was not wearing socks, and I was sitting somewhere, anyone would come up and just like try to try to get me before I moved. And so I got very jumpy because of this. I would be sitting, you know, just minding my business and I would see someone walking by who was, either, whether it was my grandpa or my parents or my siblings or whatever. Anytime someone came within like a six foot radius, especially of my feet, because that's the worst spot where I'm ticklish, I would retract my legs. And so my grandpa thought that was just the funniest thing ever. And he's like, Oh, what you so jumpy for there, little frog. When I had to pick a camp name, I think it was, let's see, CIT one was 2012. My grandfather had just passed away recently. And I was thinking about him a lot, kind of missing him and whatnot. So they were like, you got to pick a camp name. And I was, you know, thinking about my grandpa one night and I remembered he used to, he's called me frog all the time because I was so jumpy, but. Yeah, I think it's funny because most camps, it's like, okay, pick a name. What's your name going to be? And I wish that more camps did like a ceremony or like a rite of passage, like, or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like made it a little bit more whimsical just to throw it into the mix. But I love that for you. I love that it has dual meaning. That's so cool. Well, what kept you coming back to camp for so long? So I enjoyed going to camp as a kid. I went a couple times, like I said, I went to a mom and me, and then I went a couple times on my own. And then I took a few years off. And I think going back to camp came at kind of a very pivotal time in my life. I mean, I was I don't know, 13 probably. So you're going through puberty, obviously, which is unfortunate. But then at the same time, both of my best friends moved away. That spring was like the last bit of school that I had with my best friends. And they both moved away like early summer. So I was like, well, now I have no friends. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I had other friends, but they were like my besties. And I was kind of, you know, a little bummed about that. Um, I don't know. I've been kind of thinking about how to answer this without it being too, I don't want to say dark, but kind of like bummery. I didn't necessarily have 
a super happy-go-lucky home life at the time. And it wasn't anything like major abuse or anything like that. I just kind of was not super confident in myself. And I didn't really know who I was at that point. And going back to camp kind of, you know, gave me an opportunity to kind of start to figure that out and gain some confidence in myself and, you know, camaraderie and all of that stuff that I was lacking at the time. That first summer that I came back to camp and did trek and travel was really kind of pivotal in like me figuring out myself and figuring out who I am. And, you know, I can do things and I am confident and capable and all this stuff. That's a great feeling. So I kept coming back and I kept building on that and you know, gained a lot of friends in the process. And yeah, that's what kept me coming back initially, I suppose. And then when I was old enough to be on staff, by that point, I had, you know, I had more confidence in myself and I had kind of come out of that sad, dark period of early adolescence, and I was feeling a lot better and, you know, had friends and all that. And I thought, you know, what better way to try and give back to the place that that gave me this than to try and make a difference in the next generation of campers and ultimately the next generation of staff. Thank you for being so vulnerable. I know a lot of our listeners will be able to empathize and maybe even relate a little bit to your experience and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's one of the reasons why camp is so great for youth development because it gives you that permission to come as you are, find yourself a little bit, make a change and try new things. It gives you that confidence to do so. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate that. And I'm so glad that camp was able to help you process things and help you out in a time where you really needed it. Well, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about your staff experiences that you have worked at two different facilities. I would love for you to kind of tell us a little bit about each and the differences that you saw between them. Yes. So they were very different. Obviously, I've, there have been a lot of people on your podcast from Sacagawea. So it is a Girl Scout camp. It's all girls. And... It's an overnight camp, which was very different from my other sort of camp experience. The program that I worked for in college was day camps, but it was every day, well, Monday through Friday for several weeks. And it was kind of similar in that it was split up by age group, but the age groups were a little bit broader. So at the Girl Scout camp, we had like first through third graders, fourth through sixth, and then seventh to ninth, and then like CITs if they were older than that. At ARC, we had, I think our youngest group was like age five to nine or 10 maybe. And then there was a kind of like a middle school, early teenagers group, like 11 to 13, 14. And then we had a high school group, but because we were working with kids with special needs that went up to age 21. So it was like 15 
up to, we had a couple that were 20, 21, 19, you know, adults, but still within the public school system in some cases. So the art camp programming didn't have its own facility. Like they had an office, but it really wasn't like a place that had its own programming or whatever. So we would go take the kids to either like the city park or the pool or museums or anything in the area that we could find that was kind of better suited for programming. So with the younger kids, we did a lot of open-ended play type stuff where we would go to a park and have them play on the playground and, you know, develop gross motor skills and social interaction and things like that. And with the older kids, we did some more, I guess, like education-based stuff. We would go to museums or we would still do like pool days as well, but it was more museums and the public library, things like that, where they could do the same kind of interactive, like social stuff, but there was less of a focus on gross motor development because by the time you're 17, most of our kids had that down pat or that was less of a a focus at that age. I guess with the older kids, we also focused more on like occupational related stuff, not in like trying to help them find a job. Well, some of the older kids, we helped them look for jobs and things like that, but just developing those kind of daily living type skills that you need to be productive member of society. And that included social skills as well for some of the kids, you know, how to order food at a restaurant and how to take care of your own home if you're living by yourself and things like that. Money, um, dealing with finances. A lot of the kids had some kind of medication, so we did medication management stuff. It sounds like you're giving them a bunch of hard skills that they need to know to be able to be successful. And you guys are doing it in an open and safe environment Mm -hmm. that's outside of the homes. You don't have maybe those types of pressures there. You're just helping them utilize the skills that they need to know how to do, which is awesome. I think that's that's a really great mission. The nice thing about the organization that I worked for that did that summer programming was that they also did stuff during the year. Most of the summer camp stuff was teaching skills in a more more fun but less realistic environment but then during the year we also had in-home services as well for that kind of stuff that was all i was going to say very cool that's awesome thanks for diving deep into that for us yeah i tend to ramble so uh, (laughs) you'll have have lots of material whether that's a good or a bad thing i don't know (laughs) no it's always a great thing who were some people from your camp experience that inspired you and how did they do that Oh, goodness. So going back to that first year of trek and travel when I came back to camp, my counselors were Chipper, who we've talked about. I think somebody has talked about on here before. I can't remember who. And then Trumpet. I don't know if anybody's been on here. But during the course of that session, they both made a really big impact on me. Just, I don't know, part of it was probably situational, but also, you know, they were very good at making sure that, you know, we knew that we could do it and we could do hard things and that kind of stuff. So that was, I guess, inspirational in a way. And on when I was on staff, when I was on staff, 
I would say probably Rafiki was one of my biggest inf- inspirations. I know she's been on here. So if you're listening, hi, Fiki. Um, <laughs> I was young coming into the counselor role and I thought I knew what I was doing. Having done CIT, you're like, ooh, yeah, I know how to be a counselor. And then you add sleep deprivation and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I here? Rafiki was always good about making us take times for ourselves and emphasizing like, you know, you have to take your break. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. And looking back at times, you're like, oh, but I have to do this thing. And no, that thing is not as important as taking, you know, time for yourself and regrounding and recentering yourself as well. So I don't know what my camp experience would have been like without her. That was, she was great. She was absolutely awesome. I mean, she is absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that myself. And she's not yeah. deceased, I hope. No, she's still <laughs> running, rocking and rolling. Yes. I specifically remember in 2021 when I came up for two weeks to close out camp. I remember I had driven up from Warrensburg that uh-huh. day. And like I'd gotten up, you know, like super early, like to get there at camp by like noon or something like that. And I get there and the first thing that they say is, well, Joe Bob, go ahead and go take your paperwork. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I just started at noon. And they were like, well, what time did you get up to start driving? So I go, oh, and I got up. I was on the road by six or something like that. And they're like, uh-huh. great. So you've already worked a full day. Go and take your paperwork. I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, they even take things like that into consideration, which is it's it's just unreal how much they they really care about the human it's 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 really 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 unique oh my gosh and also when you had mentioned trumpet i remember the first summer when i came up to sacagawea in 2014 and trumpet played taps on the trumpet and i was like i have never felt more patriotic or more more solemn in my entire life like i had chills going up my spine i mean i was like this is what everyone needs to experience when they're experiencing a flag ceremony this is gonna sound terrible i forgot that she did that well didn't you do it too yeah because after she left i became the new trumpet guy and i was like i had some big shoes to fill she and shipper actually did it together the year before they were both trumpeters i suppose and I think the following year Chipper was on leadership, so she didn't necessarily always have the time to come and do it. But I think she did a few times throughout the year. And then I can't remember if I joined in in 2014 or not. I don't remember when I started doing that, like, full-time, I guess, for lack of a better word. Did it all of 2015, 16, 17, with the exception of, like, maybe one or two nights each summer. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I did it in 2014 too, because I remember doing dishes after dinner and then having to like duck out to go warm up and like play for 30 seconds. And then I would run back (laughs) into the dishwasher. (laughs) So I'd be like in my apron and sweaty and having just burned my fingerprints off with a 200 degree knife and have to run out there and try to play. Spoken like a true musician, though, because oh you're God. not hitting those high octaves without warming up. I mean, you can't just for real. pull that out for sure. Well, I can tell you based off of when I came back in 2021 and when there was no trumpet player, it made a difference. 
made a big, big difference. I don't even think taps was said. Really? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Because I was like, oh, well, in my home camps, we sing it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'd be more than happy to like teach you guys the song. And they were like, no, I just don't think we do it. And I was like, no, you did way back when. <laughs> it was yeah. beautiful. I hope that they're still doing that or someone's playing trumpet because, I mean, man, it it really does make a difference. It's When we come back for a throwback, I'll have to bring it with. Bring it with. Warm up. You, oh, my God. I haven't played in four years with on a regular basis so i don't even know if i could hit the high note anymore but i will sure shoot and try well before i kind of dive into my sentimental campy questions Mm -hmm. i would love for you to share with our listeners what do you do now that you're out of your camp experience professionally or personally oh anything you'd like to share okay so professionally i am a speech language pathologist, which sounds fancy, but it's not, I promise. Rehabilitation and skilled nursing and stuff like that. I work with like physical and occupational therapists. And basically, for anyone that doesn't know what a speech therapist is, which is a lot of people, apparently, everybody knows what a physical therapist is. I kind of am a physical therapist for the shoulders up. Basically, I work with a lot of stroke patients and brain injury patients and neurodegenerative disorders. And I cover swallowing disorders. So yeah, that's my big kid job. And then outside of that, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of gardening lately. And I have five cats. So like I said, certified (laughs) crazy cat lady. Yeah. I love that. That's wonderful. Well, that makes sense because I remember coming up one summer and you knew American Sign Language, and we were like signing, and I was like, "Man, she's really good." Like, <laughs> I'm not that good anymore. I do. I did minor in ASL in college, but I haven't used it in a while. COVID kind of put a kaput on that. But every once in a while, there's a a fairly large deaf community in the area where I live. So I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is really close to Iowa City. They're not big cities, but for Iowa, they're pretty big. There's a lot of deaf community. And every once in a while, I will run into someone who uses ASL as their main language. My deaf patients, I'm not working so much on the speech side, but I have worked with a couple people who had issues with swallowing or cognition stuff after some kind of health event. And ASL has come in pretty handy for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I I relate. I haven't used it as much as I did when I was in college, but Mm-hmm. It's a useful skill to have. It is. Awesome. Well, I'm going to kind of dive into my sentimental campy questions here. My first question for you is, what is your favorite camp song? You know, I have had such a hard time trying to pick one. Actually, my favorite probably is one that we didn't sing when I worked there or like was on staff. I went back for throwback last summer and they have started singing the circle game. and i freaking love that song that was sitting at campfire and then all of a sudden i hear a song that i know i'm like oh my god i love that song but in terms of like traditional camp song songs barges was a good one i think somebody's mentioned that one before linger was another favorite i know that one's been mentioned a couple times so nothing new sorry but (laughs) 
but awesome. those are probably my favorites. My next question for you is what is your favorite camp meal? I remember one time before Coral worked in the kitchen, breakfast casserole is one of the few things that she can eat that's like not modified because she has some some dietary stuff. We were at a table together once and our first dish of breakfast casserole had disappeared as it does <laughs> um, and we asked our campers like who wants some more and every kid raised their hand so of course we went back and got another heaping bowl full and the cooks were like we have a ton of this please just take a large scoop so they gave us a huge bowl we came back to the table and all of the kids in the span of like 30 seconds had decided actually i'm full i don't want any more <laughs> and coral and i are going yes yes because we love this stuff and just demolished the whole bowl it was great felt like garbage for about 10 minutes <laughs> but it was amazing oh i love that my next question for you is what is your favorite camp tradition camp tradition um oh shoot i had one in mind for this what was i should have written it down um I've been listening to all your other episodes and going, what am I going to answer for that one? What am I going <laughs> to answer for that one? <sighs> okay, so I've mm, a lot of my answers have been serious ones on this one, so I have an unserious answer for this question. My favorite tradition was tie-dye day. I love doing tie-dye. I like wearing tie-dye. I still have some of my original camp tie-dye. By like the second or third year on staff, I got tired of doing just shirts. So I decided that I was going to make it my mission to have an entire outfit head to toe, all tie-dye. And I did it. So I had like, I had pants, I had shirts, I had a hat, shoes, socks, underwear, you name it. And for tie-dye day, we we did tie-dye Thursdays. Yes. I don't, remember, I don't remember. I don't know why it wasn't tie-dye Tuesday. We had a reason because that rolls off the tongue better, you would think. But we did tie-dye Thursday. And so when I had my garb assembled, I would just cover myself in tie-dye head to toe every Thursday. And it was glorious. I love that. We also did tie-dye Thursday, which I yes. liked better than tie-dye Tuesday. <laughs> so I love that. What is your favorite program area on camp? Probably still the ropes course. I talked. I, I know we talked about that one earlier. I also really liked doing kayaking, though. We did not kayak on camp because we didn't have which kind of skirts around the property of Camp Sacagawea. It's like in the back part in the ravine that you don't typically hike to. So we would do our kayaking there. That's probably my favorite. I don't know if that counts as a program area. Absolutely, but. it does. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm wanting this podcast to go on for a really long time. So I ask all of my guests, who should I interview next? Yes. So Shipper would be a good one, I think, just because she's had a lot of various camp experiences. She was a camp director for a while. She's worked for Girl Scouts for I mean, 10 plus years, I think. I think my first year with her as a camper was her first year working in Girl Scouts, but I'm not 100% sure of that. And then another one I was thinking of that no one has mentioned would be golf cart. 
He was our nurse one year. He was an, he's an EMT, I think, or a paramedic. I don't know what the difference is. I know there is one, but he was an EMT or a paramedic. I know he had worked at a lot of different camps before, I think maybe YMCA, but I just think it would be interesting to see from the perspective of a guy working at an all women's camp. I think that would be different. Absolutely. Well, is there anything exciting that's happening in your life that you'd like to promote or anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, man. Exciting. Um, Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if you're into uh, cats and tomato plants, I do have an Instagram and a TikTok that are like not my personal account. It's called Fiddle Leaf Frog, like Fiddle Leaf Fig, but Fiddle Leaf Frog. And I don't post on it very often, but when I do, it's mostly pictures of my cats or like what's happening in my garden, uh, which again, not exciting at all. (laughs) But if you're into that, go for it. I love that. That's wonderful. Well, is that the best way that listeners can contact you or do you have other social media that or other ways for them to contact you with if they have questions for you? Um, I have my personal social media as well. That would probably be the best for like contact questions. If you want to find my, my garden TikTok, you can, but I'm on Instagram and I think my username is Amanda Poco 97, like P O K O 97. And then I'm on Facebook as well with just my normal people. First, last name. Well, Frog, thank you so much for taking your time today to hang out with us and to share your camp experience. I really appreciate you doing this, and it's been really awesome to be able to catch up with you. Thanks. It's been been fun. (laughs) All right, Camp Kids, that was Frog. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and to check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to others who are also a part of the camp community. Please leave us a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating so that others can also find our podcast. Later this week, I'll drop a short episode about songs that maybe we shouldn't be singing anymore at summer camp. That's all that I have for you for now, but remember that this is good night and not goodbye.